Hello, and welcome back to Playability, where we hold conversations at the crossroads of gameplay and accessibility. I'm your host, Lauren Woolsey, and I'm here today with Nick Yu to talk about Adventure Tactics, Domian's Tower. Welcome, Nick. Thanks for having me. So, what's this game's backstory? It comes from the friendship I have with Letterman Games owner Dan Letzring. We do shows every year. We're both in upstate New York, and we've both known each other as you know local board game designers slash publishers. And you know our association goes back five or six years. We always help playtest each other's games, but we've never worked on anything together. And a couple of years ago, we decided we should change that. And <laughs> we we were just saying, you know, what's our what's your favorite game? Uh, and it turns out our favorite video game for both of us is Final Fantasy Tactics. And we're like, nobody's really done the job system from Final Fantasy Tactics in a board game before, so. That's what we set out to do, is implement the job system in a, in a board game, which seemed pretty daunting at the time. <laughs> yeah, so talk me through that game's development path. So you had the idea, and now it's a full-fledged game. So how did it get there? Well, the core development actually took place over the course of that initial weekend. I went home from that conversation like <laughs> really energized. I'd actually taken a couple years off from design because my wife and I, we have three young kids. They're all five and under, so... <laughs> it was tough for me to work a full-time job and try to find that work-life balance, right? Sure, but the yeah. the kids were getting a little older. You know, our, our oldest kids are now in, uh, they're going to be in first grade coming up. So they're a little older now. <laughs> Gave me some time. And apparently those ideas had been germinating, like gestating <laughs> in my head. And I dropped a 20-page Just uh, waiting document. for an outlet. Yeah, exactly. It just all came pouring <laughs> out. And like, I asked my wife, like, did I sleep? And she's like, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I don't know if I actually slept that weekend. But I came back to Dan with this 20-page document the next day, and he's like, whoa. And I had all the classes, the rough outline for how the game would play. And of course, you know, things were, would tweak. You know, we tweaked and have you know, changed things for balance. But the core class system, that stayed intact from the very first draft. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of things can change for a game, but it's a really good feeling when the mm -hmm. big idea you had kind of sticks with it. So what are the yep. primary goals of the players in this game? Yep. So it's a very cooperative game. You know, you have your kind of uh, hero's journey. We start off with humble origins in a village and uh, circumstance kind of forces you together. And eventually, uh, I, I don't want to, Dan's going to be mad if I, if I spoil too many <laughs> elements, <laughs> but there's an important child. I think there's kind of a Willow influence there. Willow was one of my favorite movies growing up. So you, you have to safeguard this child of destiny. And eventually, you'll run up against the evil Queen Domian. Okay. So, without too many spoilers, we mm -hmm. now have a sense that it's a cooperative game. And what, yep, are the primary, what are the primary mechanics that the players are using in order to reach their goals? Yep. So, in between, as you level up and you multi-class throughout all the different classes, there's a bit of deck building, job building. Uh, so, that's kind of the in-between metagame. When you start off and when you level up, you get cards from any, the class that you decide to level up in. So that way you can build your deck. And then you also have options to call whenever you level up to. So you can really try to customize it. So I love cards in deck building. So apparently every design I make, is so, some element of that makes it in. <laughs> and then <laughs> that, that gives you your cards for play. And so when you're actually doing the fighting, the campaign scenarios, there's action, economy, hand management things that you're probably pretty familiar with from other similar games that you know and obviously your cooperative tactics like it really does matter what your friends are doing and uh, i encourage people to always be talking to each other uh, you know uh, planning out your moves together certainly for the campaign about how many games does it run or does it vary depending on how i don't want to say well or poorly it, <laughs> players are doing but you know <laughs> 
you always move forward. There's three different ways to go through a scenario. You can either succeed, fail, or succeed with a bonus objective. So, and that can kind of change branches that you go down in the campaign too. Um, there are over 15 scenarios with kind of an endless skirmish mode once you finish the campaign, but you'll mm-hmm. probably only see nine or 10 through a playthrough. And we tried to keep everything to more manageable bite-sized chunks. So each scenario on average takes about 45 minutes. That definitely is going to make it easier to get to the table. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, we hope so. All right. So before we move too far further, I want to reach the question that we always ask our guests, which is, what Mm -hmm. does accessibility mean to you? Yeah. You know, I even thought about this before you told me about this question, and I'm (laughs) starting to to really struggle with it. But for me, accessibility is, you know, the absence of gatekeeping, especially in in the board game industry. We see a lot of that, but sometimes it's very arbitrary. But with Domi and Sour Adventure Tactics, we tried to make a very accessible game, something that would be widespread, something that a lot of people could just pick up and play, especially a lot of the tactical battlers in this realm, Descent and Gloomhaven. They're very daunting. A lot of people oh, yeah. are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> you know, Dan's descent group has gone through, I think, three or four different iterations because people drop in and out. And I don't think he's ever finished the descent campaign yet. So we want something that people can actually play through. Yeah, for sure. With especially your shorter time per scenario, it's a lot easier to kind of commit to doing these somewhat regularly, especially if people have regular either weekly or monthly game groups that they can bring people together for. Right. Exactly. And Dan is very good about this. You know, it's kind of joking, but it's true. Dan is like a pretty woke individual. He really <laughs> made a push for diversity among the cast. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize this. And this is terrible because I'm a minority, right? I'm a, like, I should have been like, oh, you know, we should have a diverse cast. No, I subscribe to you know, your D&D, like J.R.R. Token, like white power fantasy, like with the cast. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 let's, let's revisit that with the artist. And he's like, let's make sure, you know, we have more females. Let's like, make sure, you know, we have some some diverse cast members. And a lot of people have stopped and said to us, wow, you know, you, this is a very diverse cast. You know, there aren't like chainmail bikinis on the females. You know, it, it seems like it, you know, it's a good representation. It's a good slice of humanity. And that's something that I want to really considered without, without dance input. Yeah, it's surprising. So you mentioned that, you know, being a minority, you'd think that you'd have this kind of more awareness, but it is true that like our whole society is built around that being a default, like no matter who you are, unless you question those assumptions, there's this built in default that we have to fight against. Yeah. Right. Especially in that medieval fantasy world, like think about all of your classical heroes. Like I mentioned Lord of the Rings, but you know, the witch is really huge. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those are your classic heroes. Huh? You don't have a lot of minority or even female characters playing those major roles as protagonists in your in fantasy, yeah. so and we've actually gotten a little bit of pushback for some backers, which I don't want to say was unexpected, but uh, yeah, you know, yep. we're saying, hey, <laughs> you know, this is the vision that we're committed to, and you know, I can't say it any better than Dan. Someone posted on the BGG forums, you know, are you guys going to introduce another ma- male character? Because right now there's three female characters and two males. It's like I want to be able to play this with my son, and yeah. Dan had the perfect response. <laughs> he said, you know, all five characters are playable by all genders, right? Yep. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what gender you can play with whichever character. So. Exactly right. I don't think <laughs> I could have answered any better than that. That's perfect. So you mentioned the the art and the cast and the playable mm-hmm. characters. Were there any other decisions that you made in the game design process with accessibility in mind? Yeah, another one that I think gets brought up frequently, and I've heard some of your other guests answer this way too, is people with vision impairment, mm-hmm. color blindness, particularly. That's a big one. And we actually went through when we had Jason Kingsley do the design for the cards. We went through a lot of those different color tests. 
to make sure that the different types of cards roll very distinct from each other, even with people with different types of colorblindness. Yeah, excellent. That's thankfully becoming more of a kind of baseline for publishers, but it's always still Mm -hmm. surprising when that's not the case. When you take into consideration the game's theme, the mechanics, and these accessibility ideas we've talked about, who would you say is your target audience? Well, I think, um, like, I don't want to say this is for Gloomhaven Light or people who are afraid to try Descent in Gloomhaven, but I think that's how this game has kind of ended up, whether we set out to do that intentionally or not. Because really, I wasn't thinking about that in the end. But the way the game developed, it certainly came out that way. And also, when I said true co-op, it is a full co-op. There's no, like, Descent needs either an app or a Dungeon Master player. Mm -hmm. Everything's done through AI, and each scenario has a specific boss deck that you follow. Mm -hmm. And the original design, everybody had their own individual experience points and their own individual experience pool and would level up separately. But we found very quickly that worked against the cooperative spirit of the game. And Gloomhaven, you know, you can have one person kind of run around and grab all the loot and <laughs> level up a ton. And, you know, it, to me, you know, that that's great in its own right, but that's not what we were trying to do. It didn't uh, have the right fit tactics. for yours, yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite part of the game? If you sit down and play it, what's your absolute favorite part? <laughs> for me, it's not even playing the game. It's making a <laughs> bunch of different character builds. Like, I have a big problem with D&D, and honestly, any <laughs> RPG. Like, I'll just say, like, especially if you come up with a character builder, and we we found a very good team that we have an online character builder for tactics, too. But yeah, I'll just make, like, a billion characters before I even <laughs> play one second. Like, uh, all the Elder Scrolls games, like, I'll sit in the character creator for forever. Like, I'll, I'll be in there for, like, an hour before I actually start playing. Do you have, like, a single favorite character for Adventure Tactics, or is there one that's, like, near and dear to your heart? I don't because I feel like they're all my my children. But if I had to pick, and Dan was, he's like, someone's going to ask you, you have to pick. If I have to pick, my favorite class is War Mage. And it's also because it's Elwyn. You know, he starts off as this retired mage and he's kind of bumbly, but you can see the progression through the art. And the artist Jacob Croft did an amazing job showing, you know, different possible branches like of organic growth. Like Elwyn starting off as the wizard can eventually become the war mage, but anyone can become a war mage, but we tried to illustrate ones that would that would make sense. Seem like a natural project. Yeah. Exactly. What do you think makes the game most memorable for players? If you watch them doing play tests or just yeah. hearing feedback from players? I think a lot of the decision-making people are surprised by how tactical some of it really gets. And um some the of the moments are very <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. You, you, you think so. And also, we don't have any exploration aspect, right? Part of Descent mm-hmm. in Gloomhaven is exploring the map and going through that. But with Adventure Tactics, I wanted to make sure it was boss fight, set piece, boss fight. So it, it feels very cinematic and it can be very tense. And also, there's dice rolling in the game to kind of replace the accuracy mechanic. Mm-hmm. And anytime you roll dice and like, it's make or break, you know, if oh, I make yeah. this roll, we, we win the scenario. If I fail this, then, you know, <laughs> things are looking grim. <laughs> so a lot of those moments, I feel like even in just people who have play tested and only play the first couple scenarios, they already have one of those, you know, uh, cinematic moments. That's awesome. Now, for our listeners interested in getting a copy of this game, is it available? Yep. If you're listening now, it's on Kickstarter. If you're listening when the podcast goes live, we should be in the last two days of the Kickstarter. So please check us out. We funded on the first day, but now we're pushing through all the stretch goals to make the game as awesome as possible. Fabulous. And then when the Kickstarter ends, where will the game be available at that point? Hopefully everywhere. I think we... (laughs) The Kickstarter is yeah, the Kickstarter's doing well enough where you know you should be able to find it online either through Dan's website for a direct order and Letterman Games, but also should be going through normal distribution channels and your you know your local favorite game store. Fabulous! If people wanted to reach out to you on social media, how could they reach you? 
I always say it's easier to find me with through Dan because I'm terrible <laughs> at social media and I didn't really think about my usernames very well. Like on Twitter, you, you know my handle. It's Y-U-T-I-N-G-X-I-A-N-G. <laughs> and it makes sense to me. That's my Chinese name. Sure. Yeah. But trying to explain that to somebody else, like spelling it out, it's awful. Trying to get people to, <laughs> to follow me. But the, that's, uh, Twitter is probably the medium I interact with the most frequently because there's a lot of board game people on there. there really and board are, game Twitter yeah. is, is very active and fun and very mm-hmm. positive. So I try to keep up on that. Most days. <laughs> uh, but you also can find me. <laughs> yeah, most, most days. Yeah, not always. Like any social media. But you go, yeah, you can find me through Dan. I'm always interacting with his stuff too. And he's mm-hmm. at com. And we actually set up a fan page for Adventure Tactics through Dan's Facebook page, too. Oh, awesome. And we'll have the link for that in our episode description. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to tell everybody about the game that we haven't touched on? I don't think so. I mean, the main thing for me was, you know, the the real driving force to design Adventure Tactics was the class building, the class exploration of leveling Mm -hmm. up in Adventure Tactics. That Again, I think that's very unique, and we haven't really seen that in Tabletop yet. Yeah, I'll fully admit that I have friends who play Gloomhaven, and I'm glad Mm -hmm. I didn't commit to that amount of time. (laughs) And so this seems like a really good fit if I wanted to get into that kind of game, that it's shorter, easier to get to the table, and still fully cooperative. And I don't have to worry about, did I get too much loot and, you know, making the others feel bad? Because it's all shared. Right. It's nice. Yeah. So that for us, you know, that was our aim to make it more accessible. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was a fabulous episode. Thank you so much for having me. For more information about the topics that we discussed in this episode and the links that we just mentioned, we'll have those in the About This Episode section on our website at playabilitypod.com. And if our listeners have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, please email us at playabilitypod at gmail.com and find us on major social media platforms as at playabilitypod. Thanks again for listening. Play with a new perspective.